one of the most important things that we need is having a community of understanding parents who get it. Because if you don't have a child that struggles with these types of things, you don't get it. And there's nothing worse than feeling misunderstood or feeling judged. Welcome to the Mental Notes Show, the show for ambitious moms ready to break the cycle of anxiety for themselves and their families. I've been in your shoes. I know the weight of holding it all together for a family when you're barely holding it together for yourself. And sometimes it can feel lonely and overwhelming. I'm your host, Deanna Pacina. I'm a certified parenting coach, behavioral consultant, counselor in training, and wife and mom. I know what it's like to feel alone in parenting an anxious child. I thought I could do it all on my own, but it was learning how to manage my anxiety and connect with a community that made all the difference in how I show up for myself and my family. This podcast is your sanctuary, a place where we get real about the struggles and triumphs of parenting anxious kids while managing our own personal growth. We'll dive deep into communication hacks, identifying those sneaky triggers, and creating a home that's more peace and less chaos. So grab your favorite cup of something warm and let's go. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to episode four of the Mental Notes show. I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm excited about today's topic. We're going to be looking at something called the Thrive Model, and I'll explain more about that here in a minute. But first of all, I just want to remind you all that my purpose and my mission with this podcast is to provide practical and relatable solutions for parents who have their own anxiety or are dealing with children who have anxiety or depression. Because for me, dealing with those things on my own felt very, very isolating. So community is something that's become extremely valuable to me. And that's what I want to be able to provide here for you on the podcast so that we can be learning together. Now, if you know me, some of you listening right now, I'm only on episode four. So I'm going to assume that most of you that are listening probably know me in real life. You know that my background is in teaching and education. I loved teaching. I loved being a part of that system. I also moved into coaching and spent some time doing some business coaching. For the past couple of years, I really felt like I was searching for something and I didn't know exactly what it was. Then we started to face some challenges in our family related to anxiety and depression. I realized one day that there weren't a lot of places for me to go to get help. It was really hard to ask for help or to put it out there because I was afraid that people would judge us or, you know, put their own thoughts and opinions on things that were going on. And so I kept a lot of things to myself and I realized that that was not the healthiest way to go about it. That's why it's really important to me to provide a place where people can come and get resources or join our Facebook group, the Mental Notes community, so that we can learn about these things together. Because of everything that's happened, I have made the decision to go back to school for yet another master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. I'm on my first semester, so I still have probably two years to go, and that's okay, but I'm already learning so much. And I want to be able to use this podcast as a way to share some of the things that I'm learning with you. In episode three, which was the previous episode, we spent some time looking at some of the causes and symptoms for anxiety. So I'm not going to go into depth about that on this episode, 
So if you haven't listened to episode three, you might want to go back and listen to that one first before we dive into today's topic. This week for one of my assignments, I had to do an article review and we were given a couple of articles to choose from. And the one that I chose was resilience and post-traumatic growth. I chose this one because I know that when I go into the counseling field, I know for sure I want to work with kids who have anxiety and moms and families who are dealing with that. And I'm also interested in working with veterans who are transitioning or dealing with issues of things like PTSD. So I chose that article for this reason. And in the article, I came across something called The Thrive Model by Stephen Joseph. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So the Thrive Model is a framework for building resilience after trauma. But I've also looked at it and thought, you know, this could be really helpful in addressing anxiety and promoting growth. Because a lot of times, let's face it, we have anxiety that stems from traumatic things that we've been through. There are six components to the Thrive Model, and it's an acronym. So we have Taking Stock, Harvesting Hope, Reauthoring, Identifying Change, valuing change and expressing change in action. I want to put it out there up front that while I'm going to go through these in order of the acronym, it's not necessarily a linear process. It might be something where when you listen to this, you think, oh my gosh, that's the stage that I need to start on and I need to focus on. And that's the way that I would suggest approaching it. The first stage is taking stock. So taking stock involves assessing the current situation. What are you dealing with? What are the child's anxiety triggers? How do they react to those triggers? And what are their coping mechanisms? Taking stock requires a lot of open communication with the child, with your spouse or your partner, with teachers, doctors, anybody that might have a stake in what's going on with your child. It's really important as a parent when you're taking stock of the situation to be observant and empathetic. A really powerful strategy that you can use in this stage is maintaining a journal of your child's behavior and reactions and having regular open conversations with them about their feelings, consulting with teachers or other adults who interact regularly with your child. I know that for me, keeping a journal of things that has happened has been really important, for example, when I'm talking to a counselor about what's been going on or when I've been talking to a medical professional about what's been going on. Because let's face it, <laughs> there's 50 million things that happen every single day. And if I don't write down what happened, then I can forget it. And then if time passes, it's like I lessen maybe the severity of what it was that we were dealing with. And writing it down makes sure that I'm, I'm keeping accurate records of what's been going on. It's important to note that this isn't about finding fault or laying blame, but it's about understanding your child's experiences and your emotions and their emotions better. It also includes taking stock of their physical self. Are they getting enough physical activity? Are they participating in relaxation activities? Are they getting the right nutrition? All of those things come into play when we're taking stock of the situation. The next step or stage would be harvesting hope. When we talk about harvesting hope, we are looking at fostering a sense of hope and positivity in our children or in ourselves. It's about helping your child visualize and believe in a future where they're not controlled by their anxiety. 
or a future where you're not controlled by your anxiety. We can do this by helping our children identify their strengths and their capabilities and showing them how those strengths can be used to manage their anxiety. We want to make sure that we're setting realistic and achievable goals with our children so that those goals become a source of motivation for them to see that there is a hope for what is coming for them in their lives. A really powerful tool that you can use for harvesting hope is called the miracle question. The miracle question encourages children to imagine a future where their problem no longer exists. So the miracle question might go something like, if a miracle happened overnight and your anxiety was gone and you woke up, what would be different? How would you feel? What would you do? Asking those questions and having that conversation helps our children visualize a positive, achievable future. And that in and of itself can be a motivator for change. It also can help us identify what are some specific actions that we need to take in order to make that overnight miracle happen so that we can feel free from anxiety. As parents, you can use the miracle question to help your children express their hopes and their desires and to reinforce the idea that change is possible. This is also a really powerful question for parents because when we are in the day-to-day and the ins and outs of dealing with situations that are related to anxiety and depression, it can feel really overwhelming. It can be very difficult to imagine a future where things are okay. If you have children who are teenagers, it's imagining a future where they can go out into the world on their own and succeed without you. And when they are dealing with anxiety or depression, it can be a really scary thought about sending them out into the world. But we need to be able to imagine a future where they can overcome these things as well. So it's really important that we validate our children's feelings and we validate our own feelings and that we are able to see them beyond their current situation and believe and have a hope that things can and will get better. The next stage is reauthoring your narrative. Reauthoring is exactly what it sounds like. It's changing the story, creating a new narrative or story for you and your family and reframing the way that we talk about anxiety. Instead of looking at anxiety as something that is a debilitating condition or something that defines your child, you can reframe it and look at it as a challenge that your child is capable of overcoming. In this stage, we can help our children see themselves as a hero in their own story rather than a victim of their anxiety, where the anxiety is not something that defines who they are, and that shift can be really empowering for your child and for you. Reauthoring involves identifying and challenging negative beliefs or assumptions that your child might have about themselves. For example, if your child thinks that they're weak or incapable because of their anxiety, you can challenge that by highlighting their beliefs and their strengths and their achievements. I've had to do this several times with one of my children where he doesn't do well on something in school and then he creates a world where everything that he does is a failure and he can't possibly ever do anything that will be a success. And so I have to provide evidence of the opposite of that for him and remind him of those positive things that he has achieved. Because we need to be able to reframe their anxiety as it's not something that's bad. It's not something that's negative. It's a part of their journey 
and their experience. And when we look at it that way, it can help us as parents reduce feelings that we might have of embarrassment, or shame, not wanting to share with people what's going on because we don't think that they would understand. So some ways that we can work on reframing narratives are using positive affirmations, practicing mindfulness and gratitude, engaging in creative activities such as storytelling as ways to help our children express their feelings and their experiences in a positive way. Remember, though, that with any of these different stages or steps that the process is going to take time. It's not like you can just create a story and all of a sudden they're going to believe it. You will have to work on reauthoring over and over and over again in order for that new story to stick and become a way that they naturally view and see themselves and the world. The next stage is identifying change. When we talk about identifying change, it is making sure that we are recognizing and acknowledging changes no matter how small it might seem because change is slow and gradual. And it's really important that we celebrate success and progress because that's going to boost their confidence, but also reinforce the idea that change is possible and something that they can control. As parents, it's our job to make sure that we're noticing and acknowledging progress, that we're focusing on the positive changes that they're making versus focusing on negative. That's where keeping a progress journal that we talked about before can come into place as well, because when you're keeping track of things that are going on, you can see those progressions over time, making sure that you're having regular check-ins with your children and creating visual reminders of their achievements so that they can see them. We want to be able to provide them evidence of their success. And we want to make sure that we are not focusing on setbacks and failures because those will happen. It is a normal part of the growing process. And instead of looking them at looking at them as something negative, we need to look at them as valuable learning opportunities for our children. The next step is valuing change. In this step, the goal is to help the individual see that there is a value in significance in making those changes. So it's not just enough to make the change, but understanding and reinforcing those positive changes that they've made. Again, no matter how small or insignificant they might seem, it's worth celebrating. It's helping them see how those changes are improving their quality of life and helping them manage their anxiety better. Looking for evidence of the possible and making sure that we're keeping them focused on the changes that they've made and where they're headed versus focusing on setbacks. As parents, our job is to help them see the positive impact of their changes, celebrating their achievements, and reinforcing the value of their effort. Not necessarily the outcome, but focusing on the value of their efforts, because we need to show them that there's a connection between their efforts and their progress. As parents, it's our role to support and facilitate their journey, not to dictate it. I think that's one of the hardest things about parenting for me is realizing that you can't, I can't put my own things and my own thoughts on my children. They have their own journey that will be unique for me. And when they go out into the world, they're going to spend more time away from me than they did with me. So it's not my job to dictate their journey. It's my job to encourage them 
to learn how to value their own progress and achievement because that's what's going to help them be successful when they go out into the world. The next step is expressing change in action. This stage involves applying those positive changes into their daily life. It's about helping them take all of these new things that they've learned and these small changes that they've making and putting those things into practice. So as parents, what we want to do is make sure that we're providing opportunities for children to practice their new skills and support them in those challenging situations. And this one makes me think in particular of one of my children who went through a period of time where he was deathly afraid of elevators. I could not get him to go on an elevator ever. So the strategy that I used was to let him know that on the inside of the elevator that there was an inspection certificate that had the date that showed when someone had last checked the elevator to make sure that it was safe. And that strategy was something that allowed him to enter into that challenging situation and feel more comfortable with it. And then he was eventually able to overcome that anxiety and fear that he had about going on the elevators. We want to make sure that we're asking our kids, what have you done this week? No matter how small it might seem, that demonstrates that they are becoming more purposeful and overcoming those things that have been challenging for them before. And then what are you going to do next week to continue demonstrating those strengths? In this stage, persistence and patience are really important because we want to make sure that they are becoming comfortable with using these new skills in real life situations, understanding that there's going to be setbacks along the way that's inevitable. But with consistent practice and support, they will eventually become more confident and effective in managing their anxiety. I'm going to add in a different stage here. This is not part of the Thrive model, but I think that when we're looking at all of these different things, it can be really overwhelming if we don't have support. So for parents, one of the most important things that we need is having a community of understanding parents who get it. Because if you don't have a child that struggles with these types of things, you don't get it. And there's nothing worse than feeling misunderstood or feeling judged. Being able to connect with people who are facing similar challenges makes it so much easier for you to face your own. So if that's something that you need, join our Facebook group. It's the Mental Notes community, and it's a community of moms who are parenting children with anxiety and have anxiety themselves. And for me, as I said at the beginning, creating a community is one of the most important things because when I started out on this journey, I felt so incredibly alone. And it's my mission to make sure that nobody else feels that way. So in conclusion, the Thrive Model is something that can be applied to help address anxiety in children. It's a tool that's helped to build, that's used to help build resiliency after trauma. But it's definitely something that can be applied to helping our children. It emphasizes the importance of identifying and understanding emotional needs, and it provides a framework to understand the nature of what they're dealing with, their triggers, and their effects on their behavior and their emotions. And when we understand these things, we can help them develop appropriate resilience strategies to manage that anxiety. Most importantly, it promotes coping mechanisms and skills that empower our children to see themselves in a different light and to have control over their feelings and emotions and reactions. It acknowledges that every child is unique and that the strategies that 
are used to manage anxiety should really be tailored to suit each child's specific needs and circumstances. We want to make sure that we're using a personalized approach when we're addressing anxiety, ensuring that interventions are suitable and effective for each child. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope you found some actionable ideas that you can implement today with you and your child. Remember, there is no one-size-fits-all way of dealing with anxiety. It's about finding things that work for you. If after this conversation you're looking for a supportive community, I would love for you to join us in the Mental Notes community. Or feel free to find me on Instagram at Deanna Pacina and shoot me a direct message or email me at hello at deannapacina.com. I just want to say thank you for tuning in and being a listener. If you enjoyed today's show, I would love for you to leave some feedback and a review. That helps me make sure that the show can find more people. I'd also love for you to subscribe so that each week you can get updates to the podcast. And if you know someone that would benefit from hearing today's content, please share it with a friend. And remember, until next time, you're not alone. You're not failing. You're learning. And so is your child.